Welcome to the cabin. It is post-Groundhog Day this time. So we had Punxsutawney Phil see his shadow freak out in Pennsylvania last week. And there's six more weeks of winter according to him. But according to Jimmy the Groundhog here in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, who is the official prognosticator according to the congressional record, uh, he didn't see a shadow. He hung out. Supposedly we're going to have an early spring. Who is, hey. the, who is the person who reports this? Does everybody get to go out and see if, if the groundhog is out? Yeah, it's a big it's a big hullabaloo. I know. What exactly was the date for this? It was February 2nd. Oh, I'm out of Rick sorts. Rose was there. Oh, he was at he, the he Sun was, Prairie one? Yeah. Nice. Oh, okay. It was like a whole gathering? Oh, yeah. And it, have you ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? No. Oh, for crying what? out loud. I know. I, I haven't even seen Jurassic Park yet, which okay. I was going to watch just for this podcast on animals. Yes. Well, that would have been a good one to watch, actually. Any movie about a mystery animal. By the way, today we're going to be talking about uh, legendary Wisconsin animals, real and imagined. And really, the groundhog is kind of legendary in the sense that Jimmy the Groundhog is the official prognosticator. The bottom line is we have no idea when winter's ending, but we're all pretty sure there's at least six more weeks of it. Are we agreed? In Wisconsin, Mm -hmm. that's going to happen. So, yes. I don't want to admit it. So, (laughs) my name is Eric Paulson. I'm Anna Elise Speckman. I'm Josh Osterman. I'm Ramsey Plout. And joining us, audio engineering today, is the lovely... Blaze Davis. Thank you, Blaze. Very good. Now, so before we get into the animals thing, one other quick thing, because we're, we always have a pre-conversation before we start recording, and there's some game that y'all played in school that I've never heard of, so I need to learn about this pretty quick. Well, I never played it in school. I, I, we bought uh, yeah. it at, a, at a, like a flea market. And oh. I've been playing it for years. I still got the same box. It's I mean, from like the early. Is it 90s. called Shut Box or Shut the Box? Shut the Box. But I've I never played it, it at box. school either. I, okay, I, I played thought it, it was at a, a school restaurant. thing. It was a growing up thing. Okay, so I played it in a bar. You did. Okay, tell me growing about up, this. Not tell growing me about this up. real quick. <laughs> so it's it's a little tray, right, with some felt on it, and you roll. There's uh, two die, like these little tabs with numbers, mm-hmm. uh, zero or one through nine. nine. And you have two dice, and you just kind of toss them down, and you can, whatever the combination of the dice are, if it's a five and a six, you can either pull down the five and the six, or you can pull down, um, you know, what makes 11, or any kind of combination of that. And the goal is to be able to knock down all of the tabs by rolling your dice. With the fewest number of dice rolls? Yes, and then once uh, you once you run out of options, you you total what's still left on the board out of your, mm-hmm. your nine pins, mm-hmm. and then the lowest number wins. And I actually mm-hmm. just started playing this game with Johnny, who's adding and subtracting. It's a great game for kids. Oh, and I, I still idea. play it all the time. Oh, we should yeah. have learned how to play it in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly. Instead, we had the subject of math. You could have the subject shut the box. <laughs> in, in, I like this. Uh, I'm with Eric on this one. I've always called it shut box. Yeah, I've it's never like heard of I mean, I Facebook. just learned how to play this maybe So I, I don't know. I just bought... I just bought a board for my own because I've been playing it at the bar and I like it and I wanted to practice at home so I can beat people. But <laughs> um, I bought it from uh, this bookstore and uh, on the box it says shut the box. Oh. So I don't know. Well, it's one of those table rules. Call it what yeah. you want, maybe. It's kind of like, is this cabin podcast or the cabin podcast? It is the mm. cabin. Oh. So. That is it. Okay. But I did just Wikipedia it and. Apparently, they use it in pubs a lot for gambling, and sometimes you can you win the money at the end, the pool of money, but sometimes you also win the box. Hmm. No. So, well, there you go. Note, next time you're in a pub. Ramsey, you could have won a box instead of bought one. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> I've been... Well, 
I guess doing it for box. drinks, but you know. All right, perfect. Well, we've talked about groundhogs. We've talked about boxes. Let's talk about legendary animals. Our topic today, real and imagined legendary Wisconsin animals. There's some fascinating lore here on the cabin. Let's get into it. The Cabin is presented to you by the Wisconsin Counties Association, and this week we're featuring Washara County. I'm pronouncing that right, right, Josh? It's Washara. Washara. I always screw that up. It's Washara <laughs> County, <answer> no. <laughs> located in the heart of Wisconsin. I drive through it many a time on I-39 and US-51. Washara County was established in 1851. Watoma became the county seat in 1854. The name is of Ho-Chunk origin, believed to mean the good land. So Alice Cooper, I don't know if he was telling us the truth or not about Milwaukee. In Wayne's world, but maybe we'll research that further. Watoma itself is the Christmas tree capital of the world, self-proclaimed. The Kirk Company of Tacoma, Washington, has had a uh, farm there with over 10,000 acres cultivating Christmas trees there annually since 1953. How fun. So uh, Watoma is technically the only city in Washara County, but villages include Coloma, Plainfield, Hancock, Wild Rose, and Red Granite. And at Mount Morris, just northeast of Watoma, Nordic Mountain offers great skiing, snowboarding, and tubing. Uh, there's a great drive-in called the Milty Wilty oh. on Highways 21 and 73 in Watoma, open in 1947. A drive-in movie theater. No, it's a drive-in burger stand. Oh, uh-huh. Badger and Packer Jared Abaderas, by the way, played at Watoma High School, so shout out to them. And uh, kind of a mysterious lore, about four miles from Coloma is a geologic feature called Glover Bluff. Anybody ever heard of it down nope. there or anything? I have. Oh, you have, Ramsey. I, I have, but I, I do the trivia, so I don't remember anything about it, but okay. I remember it came across my line of research. Okay. Well, it is a the site of a large meteor impact. Now, everybody's heard of the meteor crater in Arizona. They created that huge mm-hmm. hole. It's a big tourist attraction. Something similar happened several hundred million years ago in Washara County. And the site is five miles in diameter. It's exposed at the surface, but it's among the least studied uh, impact craters in the world because it's been grown over with overgrowth. And then there's active quarrying going on. So they're quarrying dolomite and stuff there. So hmm. it's uh, it's a little hard for them to study, but it's still kind of one of those interesting little Sounds like a government conspiracy to me. Or is it? Oh, my God. The Cabin Podcast is also brought to you by the WCA Group Health Trust. Serving local governments and school districts, the WCA Group Health Trust partners closely with members to fulfill their employee health benefit obligations in a fiscally responsible manner. Learn more at WCAGHT.org. All right. Let's heat things up and talk animals. I love the crackling. Toasty. Yes, indeed. So Wisconsin has a lot of legendary animals, some real, some imagined or part of lore. So we're going to cover a bunch of those today. A big animal in this state, in my opinion, is the state bird, the mosquito. (laughs) It's actually technically a robin, but really when you think about it, how how many interactions do you have with a robin versus a mosquito in the average year? Yeah, but the the state bird isn't determined by... The amount of the thing? No, it's not. Is it? I feel like the more rare it is, the I more saw likely it, once it would on be a to postcard, be a state bird. But, well, robins are pretty common, but still. But you saw the mosquito or the robin on a postcard? On a postcard, the, the mosquito. mosquito. Uh, the mosquito, yes. But we're in we're in February right now, so the bugs haven't been bad at all. Nope. It's kind of nice. Not present. Mm-hmm. 
So we have uh, real animals and imaginary. And I imagine, uh, Ramsey, you're kind of our up north representative in a lot of this. You know a, a ton about the the real ones that are very prevalent in the north woods. I'd say one mm-hmm. of the most popular Wisconsin animals is the deer because we mm-hmm. shoot and hit so many of them. Oh, yeah, accidents. exactly. Uh, but that uh, how many deer are in the state? I mean, we have have they said there's more deer than people in Wisconsin? Forty eight. No, there's. I don't think there's that many. I think What's the cap on like... deer per day? Six six per day per person. <laughs> There's a few hundred thousand. I don't remember exactly how much there is. Oh, there's the total number of deer in the state? Uh, or maybe that's how many's harvested. Ah, that's how many know. that's how many are harvested in a hunting season, oh, okay. I think. But yeah, I mean so there and we have with all the wildlife we have, with all the woods we have, we have a very nice collection of real animals. I think a lot of us have focused when prepping for this episode on the lore. Yeah, right. And that's fine too. We'll mix it up and go back and forth. So who would like to start? Well, Really quick, there's 1.6 million deer. Oh, you in Wisconsin? I just figured since we go. have this, you know, at our fingertips. What do you in mean? Wisconsin. And Wisconsin only has white-tailed deer. Okay, so there's about 1.6 million deer in the state, and there's 6.4 million people, so mm-hmm. four people for every one deer. Yeah. All right, now we know. All right, let's talk Let's talk about some legendary animals, and I, I know there's a bunch here, so who'd like to begin? While we're talking about deer, um, why don't we hit up the uh, state whitetail record for a, a typical deer? Um, do you guys know the difference between typical and uh, atypical? Yeah, one's typical and one's not. Is it the um, <laughs> right. the antlers match on both sides for typical? Right, and they don't have funky configurations like a drop tine where it comes off the main oh. uh, tine and then goes downward. This is they... just your stereotypical, like the one I have behind me here. That's a typical deer. So the state record is the James Jordan buck. Um, it's the second highest scoring typical white deal, white-tailed deer ever harvested by a hunter in the United States, hmm. and the third highest scoring in the world. Wow! wow. Uh, James Jordan. He was 22 years old um, in Burnett County uh, when he shot uh, the record buck on November 20th in 1914, and that record really hasn't been beat. I mean, uh, it has been beat once. Wow. Yeah, 1914. It was the number one buck in the world for 79 years until it was finally beaten in 1955 by a hunter in Saskatchewan, Canada. Um, So I think that's pretty phenomenal, uh, you know, that record. But it was a a uh, 5.5, 10-point buck, so there was five tines on each side. And it had a 206 and one-eighth Boone and Crockett score. And Boone and Crockett is the official uh, measurement on how you score wildlife um but the largest beam so the when it comes right off the skull there it was seven and four eighths uh inches in diameter so if you can imagine wow yeah or circumference um not diameter circumference but still okay yeah that's the size of a small infant's head yeah (laughs) (laughs) just out of curiosity Uh, circumference so it's a little you know a little smaller, but oh, it's still seven inches. I was like, yeah. diameter. Is it? Is it? Um, I'm, I'm just. Is it a mount anywhere? Like, is it in a historical site? Well, yeah. So right now, it's at the Bass Pro Shops in Springfield, Missouri, um, oh, which wow. I think is the largest Bass, Bass Pro Shops in the world. It is. I've been it's there. Down there. <laughs> yeah. Well, so that deer is on display down there. By the way, Ramsey. As long as we're talking some records, why don't we go over a couple of mm-hmm. real life records on some of those? I know you have a few of them. To discuss yeah, before okay. we get into the lore. Yeah, sure. So uh, the state sturgeon, 
uh, record, and everybody knows what a sturgeon is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a big real city big. Name. It's a big bay city in Door County. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real big fish. Um, the record was speared on Lake Winnebago in 2010, and it came in at a whopping 212 pounds, 3.2 ounces, <laughs> and it measured. 84.25 inches, That's, which is just over seven feet. Yeah. Wow. That makes me squirm. I don't like that at all. If I'm swimming in Lake Winnebago, <laughs> yuck. Well, they're, they're bottom feeders. They're not going to go after you. That lake's their mouth is on the bottom though. of their body. Do you guys <laughs> swim in that lake often? Well, I've swam in it, yeah. I mean, but you're right. It's only like 21 feet deep in its depth. The average depth is about eight feet, yeah, so. I thought it was 15. Uh, I've heard it's eight, but well, I mean, but it might. If, if either it way, eight, it's not, not that deep. I mean, are they aggressive fish? Yeah. To no, humans? they're not. They're, yeah. No, they're pretty, like I said, they're bottom feeders, so their mouth is on the bottom of their belly or on the underside of the fish, so they, they don't go oh. after people. They just scavenge stuff on the rocks. There you go, Josh. They're, so they're very pretty, friendly. Pretty All right, I feel, I feel yeah. better about that. But the other one that you have on your list, nope. Yes, the, the state musky record. Um, <laughs> so that was caught in the Chippewa Florid, <laughs> Flowage in uh, Sawyer County in 1949. That came in at uh, 69 pounds, 11 ounces, Man. 63 and a half inches in uh, wow. length, which is just over five feet. And Eric, you um, you were there. Uh, this Not last... in 1949. Well, no, you it? were there this last summer. Filming, yeah, we right? filmed on the Chippewa Floridge quite a bit. Blaze, you were the videographer on that shoot. We had a lot of fun. And yeah, the uh, there's pictures all over of that guy catching the muskie, the newspaper coverage and all that massive fish. I think it's kind of funny that we praise the fisherman and the hunter, but not, not the fish or the deer. It's the, I mean, they well, were the ones who really ate all the stuff to get big, right? <laughs> well, they we don't just take were a there at the right time in the right place. Fish and not talent. to downgrade their talent. talent, not to downgrade that. But fish and deer don't take compliments quite like people do. It's true. Right? It's our. I think that's yeah, really the fine. main reason. Sure, and it's our podcast, not theirs. So. Fair enough. That's right. <laughs> so, what did they do no. with, with the fish afterwards? You know, I've been trying to find that, but I think a lot of them kind of, I would imagine they stay in the fisherman's home. But if you go down to uh, Green Bay and hit up the Cabela's down there, they have the Wisconsin Sportsman's Hall of Fame. And Mm -hmm. they have all of these uh, deer mounts, all these fish mounts everywhere. And I don't know if they're replicas. I think a lot of them are originals. But if you go down there into that Cabela's, you can see all of these legendary animals throughout the state. You can do the same if you're fish-specific with the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame in Hayward, right near the Chippewa Floyd. So, yeah, there's some cool places where you can actually see its lore, but its reality at the same time with a lot of these animals. So that's pretty cool. But while we're on it, you also have another state record. Yeah. um, So, Eric, when you and I were talking about this, you mentioned the black bear capital of the world. Yes, Glidden, Wisconsin. (laughs) Is it? Glidden, yeah. Yeah. Huh. What they, is it for they what? They lay claim to it. The black bear capital but, of the world. Oh. Mm-hmm. So they had, right. I think it was early 1900s, um, a woman shot this really big black bear. And that record has been since broken a numerous, you know, number of times. But um, it's actually really hard to find an actual record for it. Because the Boone and Crockett scale, they um, measure by the skull instead of the weight of the bear. So I think one of the records, it it was like a 400-pound bear, but it's got this massive skull, so it scored really high on that scale. But um, 
according to the Boone and Crockett site, their record was set in 2010 when a cranberry farmer found uh, a really old bear had died in his field. And he went up and, you know, measured the skull and did all that. And that's the state record. So I see the majority of our our other monsters are mostly water creatures. Yes, most of the lore involves water creatures. They're easier to hide. So... Makes me yeah, I'm, I'm the only one without water creatures. Josh is not going to go swimming after this. Yeah, well, there's a good chance I wasn't going to go anyway. But <laughs> all right, yeah, let's. We've talked about a lot of real animals and some records and everything. Let's get into the lore, the monsters that supposedly lurk within the state. Oh, Anna, why don't, why don't you get started? Um, is that a great I'm word? I'm too excited about this whole episode. I got really, I got really into. It. I was like going down a really big Wikipedia hole here. It's like, you know, they. Uh, I hate it when they have all those little links that you can just keep clicking in each website. So I had like 19 tabs <laughs> open at once at one time. That's called um, a rabbit hole. A rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. A Wikipedia hole. A Wikipedia rabbit hole. It is a rabbit hole. That's kind of like, I mean, that fits in with our animal topic. But anyway, so my, uh, the one that I was going to talk about was the Lake Mendota monster, which again, they've named Bozo. I think it was named after an old Ojibwe folk hero named Winnebozo, but... When I looked that up, it only said Nanabozo. So I, I, the, the, the folkloric or the hero in um, Native American culture was actually called Nanabozo. So either Winnebozo or Nanabozo, I don't know, but it's named Bozo for that reason. And Nanabozo in Native American culture represents mischief and playfulness or adventure. Uh, it, a lot of the stories have are for entertainment or to teach kids life lessons. And Bozo apparently has a sense of humor there is a story, which, again, I do not know if these kids, college students, were on shrooms or not, but there was a girl on the dock, and her feet were dangling over Lake Mendota, and she was with her boyfriend at the time, and she felt a tickling on her feet and thought it was her boyfriend, but her boyfriend was actually sleeping, taking a nap, and then she looked down and saw this creature with a mischievous grin on its face, and so they both ran away screaming. What fraternity was he in? <laughs> Couldn't tell you. <laughs> the article did not say that much. But that was the story that I read. And a, okay. apparently a lot of students have reported the creature in the 1940s. And they said that it has played tricks on people, including flipping canoes, scaring swimmers, but has never done any harm to them. I will take the next one. Okay. Because it is a water thing. And it, as if you're, if you're gathering, I would prefer to swim in a pool than I would <laughs> in a large body of water. Um but this one actually really does creep me out. And I, I feel bad because, like, I love Pepin. I love the, the area of Pepin. It's such a great little community. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, it's, it's right it's, in the heart of the drip. Absolutely place. gorgeous. Yeah. So this is by, by no means a deterrent to go visit Pepin and go into the water. But the Lake Pepin Monster, which is also known as the Lake Monster of the Mississippi River, it's also known as Pepi. The legendary lake monster of Lake Pepin. Now, this is where it can get a little confusing because I look at Pepin, Lake Pepin, as a Wisconsin thing. Minnesota is claiming Pepe as theirs. Well, we're both right because the border is right down the middle. So <clears throat> this is it's one that that goes back, and I didn't know anything about it, but it went. It, it's hundreds of years old that this thing has been. Um, seen and you know the stories have just started to grow uh one person claimed 
that um, it was the size of an elephant and a rhinoceros that moves with great speed in the water. And of late, a witness has claimed 30-foot-long creature with a neck and head of a snake in the water. Another person said they saw it was 8 feet coming out of the water in Lake Pepin along the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Now, has anybody heard of the Lake Winnebago water monster? I no, think I was th- reading that during this, but not before this, yeah. Okay. Okay. So Lake Winnebago, largest Wisconsin lake, you know, it's a, it's where people go to fish. It's a paradise for fishermen, mm. right? Yeah, they have this uh, sturgeon spearing right. going on this month, yeah. And this is, you know, I'm reading this and thinking, well, you know, if I saw that, that um, how long was the, the longest um, the sturgeon? Sturgeon. Or sturgeon? Did you say the, it seven was seventy nine? Wasn't it like yeah, yeah, seven feet, feet or something feet? like that? Okay, if yeah, I was uh, eighty four inches, if I would have saw that in the water, I would have thought I saw a fifty foot sturgeon. That's just the type mm. of guy I am, right? So it's like you see it, and and, so you overestimate length. Yes, okay, absolutely. So, and then so like I mean I can see how people get um, a little bit nervous on it, but this is another prehistoric sea serpent. That lives in Lake Winnebago. It rests along the bottom of the lake, so it makes sense that it could be a sturgeon, okay? But it comes to the surface to eat deer, elk, and moose. Now, when I read moose, moose? yeah, when I read moose, it's like, well, how much, how many elk and moose are walking around Lake Winnebago? I can, I can see deer. Yeah. And there's a story, a story of lore, that this thing jumped out of the water and one ate, once ate a full-size deer, antlers. And all. You believe that? Wow. I don't know. That's a little too crunchy. The uh, legend in uh, Rock Lake, which was originally called Tyranina uh, by the Native Americans in that area, that's the lake that's in the, the pleasant little city of Lake Mills, which is in Jefferson County between Milwaukee and Madison. Throughout the years, many folk stories have centered on Rock Lake. Uh, there's pyramids, supposedly, in, in the bottom of the lake. Um, and then there were rumors about a Loch Ness-type monster that's in there. So in 1882, things had died down for about a decade and a half, but the Rock Lake Serpent supposedly reared its head at two boaters as they were racing Mm. across the lake. So uh, a newspaper called the Lake Mills Spike had the account, and they said the two men thought they were seeing a log in the water just ahead of their boats, but as they got closer, the monster thrust its head three feet out of the water opened its huge jaw, and then dove under. And the serpent was said to be, quote, as long as the boat and the color of a pickerel. Whatever the heck color a pickerel is. And then it says other sightings have occurred over the years, but it says the monster continues to be as elusive as the Loch Ness. I look at a lot of the lakes in Wisconsin, and they're not crystal clear. You know, so there, there's mm-hmm. always that, that aura of, is, is there something there? You know, like if mm-hmm. you know, I go back to my hometown, which we'll talk about this, and we'll end on on my hometown because that is the okay. That's the greatest mythical creature ever created. Okay, <laughs> but if much. but if you go to Boom Lake, you can't see five you know five inches in front of your face mm-hmm. in Boom mm-hmm. Lake. Is it dirty? Uh, is that considered a dirty lake, or is it? It's in the. No, it's it's the the, the the it's the beginning part of the Wisconsin River, and mm-hmm. it's pretty. Ramsey, how would you describe it? Well, I mean, all of the lakes up there are, it's the, the pine trees along the edge. They leach tannins, I think, into the water. And it, mm-hmm. it, that makes it that really dark, cloudy, you know, color and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. 
I just didn't know if it was like flowage or something like yeah. that. I can pick up the. Yeah, no, up there a lot of in a lot of places because of yeah, that and some iron in the water. The water is mm-hmm. normally just darker, mm-hmm. right? And which which can spook a lot of people when you're swimming and you're doing things. And it's like I've had fish hit my leg before while I, while I have them dangling on a raft and. You want to see somebody walk mm-hmm. across water, have that happen, and, you know, it's, it's a pretty spooky thing. But if you're going along the Wisconsin River through the channel, um, it, it's just kind of going back and forth, either in a kayak, canoe, pontoon, whatever. When we would do that in a canoe, and you'd hit, like, some stumps, because you can't see them. I mean, mm-hmm. like, they're just, they're there. Um, I mean, then then you just get a little nervous about, like, what's, what's underneath. So I've always been a guy mm-hmm. that get spooked by the sea serpent stories and all that kind of stuff. So I'm lifting the curtain here. Fair enough. I kind of like that. Yourself me vulnerable. I kind of yes. like that feeling, though. What? I don't know. It feels kind of magical. Like there's this other mythical beast underneath, you know? Well, that's why you're each on here. Cool. One of you is a little more adventurous than the other. One of you is a little I more think that I think we should do a DW episode exploring these potential tunnels or beasts. Like, we should have a host, Eric. Maybe you want to go down and see if this... Scuba dive? You want to go down and Way see if this exists. Way to offer him up, you know. <laughs> is that why they make me buy TV personality insurance for the show? Maybe. Part of it. <laughs> I don't think for this specific reason, but really quick, I want to go back to, like, Peppy, only because I think you, maybe, Josh, read the same article that i had read on my too many hours of research doing this but um there was a guy who was named larry nielsen i think did you read about him at all Uh, he was a uw um stout grad oh yeah 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 but he was a a businessman a lakeside businessman and he apparently had a proposal for fifty thousand dollars i don't know if this still exists so people who are listening uh your ears might perk at this he apparently would pay $50,000 $50,000 to anyone who could prove that the lake monster existed. So, Eric, the episode could pay for itself right here. It could. There Maybe you go. we could go in search of. See, and we could get it all on tape. We'd have proof. It'd be perfect. I, I really think we. It's going and together I'll, here. I'll pony up at some of the restaurants right along the shoreline. No, you got to get in the. You have, you're also getting in the water. <laughs> no. It's a hard pass from this guy. <laughs> You'll be my canary in a coal mine. Yes. Yeah, but right. so, then some claimed it was just to get more people <laughs> out to see his property. So who knows? But Well, we've done a no. lot. We've done a lot in the water. But Ramsey, you have quite a few uh, in lore that are more land creatures. Uh, and some of them yeah. have festivals named after them. So let's dive in. They do. But while we're on the topic of these lakes and all this kind of stuff, I'm going to bring up the Thunderbirds because they kind of tie into to that a little bit. Um, have you guys heard of the Thunderbirds at all? The Lakeland Thunderbirds. Yep. Cars. Lakeland Thunderbirds. There's the, uh, oh yeah, the car. There's the, uh, Baraboo High School, uh, Thunderbirds, the Lakeland Union High Thunderbirds. Um, so they've used it for mascots and stuff, but they appear in, uh, many of the beliefs of the indigenous tribes in Wisconsin, um, and all over the place. I've seen a lot of different Ojibwa and a lot of them talking about this. But they're described as very large birds that are large enough to carry a person away. However, they were typically seen as the good guys. Um, so there's this one story that I came across um, with the Thunderbirds about the creation of Devil's Lake. Um, very, very long time ago, the Thunderbirds, they led an assault on these water spirits that the indigenous tribes believed uh, lived there. They would fly very high into the sky and they would throw lightning bolts down into the lake at the water spirits. And in return, the spirits would hurl these giant stones back at them. 
And the battle went on for days, um, but when it was finally over, the Thunderbirds had vanquished the water spirits and had traveled back to their home up north. And the result of their battle was this jagged landscape all around Devil's Lake, and that's where we what we see today. That's how they described that the lake was made. I love that story. Wow. Wow. Yeah. A geologist might differ, but I like the story. <laughs> that's pretty oh, cool. Oh, I totally prefer the story. Yeah. Sweet. So those are mythical birds. Yep. That, I think they're, most of them kind of appear like eagles. Mm-hmm. Well, you see that a like lot a in Native American oh, signage and culture and... So yeah. are they still seen as the good guys, the Thunderbirds? Yep, they're still seen as the good guys. There, there was another lore that um, they live in a floating mountain out in the west, and uh, they migrate um, this way every year, and they battle these, uh, I think, the great horned snakes or something like that, and that's why we don't see any of these, because the Thunderbirds fight them off every year. Um, so they're generally seen as uh, protectors, and if you see one, it's a, a great honor kind of thing. Hmm. Very cool. That is really cool. <laughs> so we've gone from sea to sky. Let's go to land. Let's go to land. Talk about the Wendigo. So, Eric, like you were kind of alluding to, um, the Wendigo. You guys heard of that one? I have not. I no. have not. Oh, yeah. Wendigo Fest is a big thing in Manitowoc that, every year. And this is... Yeah, this, so okay. Wendigo so Fest. about to learn what Wendigo Fest okay. is named for. So Wendigo Fest is Wisconsin's largest annual Halloween festival. It celebrates freaks, folklores, and all things uh, Halloween in Manitowoc. Um, this last year, 2022, they had Jason Voorhees himself, the actor Kane Hodder mm-hmm. as a guest. Um, he actually came out and, you know, they, he, he spoke and stuff. Um, but it's this big festival. There's live music, a parade costume contest, and, uh, they even go through a cemetery. They take a tour through one of those. Um, so definitely, I don't know when the, um, when it's going on. I think it was like late September, early October last yeah, it's year. It's usually this very start of October. Kind of okay. kicks off Halloween so, celebration season. Yeah, so you can check that out. Um, I think it's just windigofest.com or, or something of the sort, and you mm-hmm. can find out more information on that. But it's named after the Windigo, and it's a creature that comes from uh, folk- folklore from Plains uh, and Great Lakes natives, as well as some of the First Nations peoples up in Canada. Um, this creature kind of appears more as a monster with some human characteristics um, or a spirit that's possessed a human and made them monstrous, uh, historically associated with cannibalism, murder, and insatiable greed. So we're going from really good guys to really not so good guys here. (laughs) But uh, according to the legends, a Wendigo is created whenever a human resorts to cannibalism to survive. Oh, is that Um, often in Wisconsin? Well, I mean, think about the natives and how long that they've been around, and that was much more prevalent when you have the deep snows and you kind of get trapped where you're at, and you can't get food sources. That was a lot more common back then. This is like Lord of the Flies. Yeah, a little bit. But, uh, you know, it just kind of goes on a lot of taboo practices that, you know, it's a warning to go against, like, don't murder people. You can turn into a Wendigo. Don't, you know, be very greedy. You can turn into a Wendigo, that kind of stuff. But, so it became a um, threat. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like the Krampus. Hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but the descriptions, uh, they vary slightly. There's a lot of different things that are out there, but the best ones that I've kind of come across were uh, Wendigo are generally said to have glowing eyes, uh, long yellow fangs, terrible claws, overly long tongues. Um, they're very skeletal. Their flesh is pale yellow, um, very, very thin, stretched over skeleton type things. Um, 
they're covered in matted hair, that kind of stuff. But You're starting to sound like Gene Simmons <laughs> here. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're generally uh, not something that you want to go seek out. Um, is this and something still that rides being, the line of being real or not real, or is this like folklore for sure? Well. It depends on who you ask, because I came across an article, um, I think 2019 or so, uh, there was a man and his wife that were out hunting, they were bow hunting, and they came across what they described as a Wendigo um, while they were hunting, and it followed them all the way back to their car um, through the woods. That was 2019? Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, you can still find references all across the northern part of the country, up into Canada. Um, Minnesota's got a lot of them, but... You can find references of these that are still being talked about. Hmm. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're going to Wendigo Fest this year, aren't you, Anna? I would go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it looks pretty wild. Say. I want to go. So, you know, it's, I haven't seen any high schools naming themselves the Wendigos, but our our last piece of Wisconsin folklore, there is a team that named itself after this mythical creature, and they've gotten some accolades lately. And I was proud to wear it across my chest. What's the team? The Hodags. Oh. But now the Hodags, it, it, it all started from lumberjack lore. In Rhinelander. But right. Yeah. So before we get into that, did you know, I found this out last week. I had no idea. So we're talking about another mythical lumberjack creature. So Paul Bunyan... Again, we'll battle with Minnesota on this one, but Paul Bunyan is said to be buried on Rib Mountain. That's why Rib Mountain is so big in Wisconsin. Really? But the little <laughs> hill, Mosinee Hill, that's right next to Rib Mountain, that's where Babe the Blue Ox was buried. <laughs> mm-hmm. wow. You guys ever hear that? Now that you say that, no. that comes back to me. I, I do recall hearing that. Hmm. There's some lore. That but is some lore. This, this, the Hodag, is my ultimate favorite. Now... I'm I'm very biased on this one. I I grew up and now if you ask the people in Manaqua that that graduated from um, Lakeland Union High School, they're going to be pretty proud of the Thunderbirds. Um, what was the other one you said? Baraboo. Baraboo's got it. Yeah. Because I, I would assume the people in Baraboo are very proud, you know, to say Thunderbirds as well. But it's if you drive anywhere in Rhinelander, you see Hodeg everywhere. We have Hodeg Park. So much. We oh, used yeah. to have Hodeg Bar, which was fantastic. It's and like then San they... Antonio with Alamo. Everything's named Alamo. It and is. Rhinelander, everything's named Hodeg. And... Even the country festival. <laughs> and and Ramsey, what did we what what did we win? Have you? Hodeg just recently won the best high school mascot in the country. The country. <laughs> that is something to be proud of. The country. Yep. I'm not gonna you they had online voting, and it came down to all these tiers that they like they, they were separated by regions, and all these high schools wow. were on online votings, and Hodag won. Rhinelander and it was not a close top. battle. Wow. Yeah. Huh. It was, they won by like 60,000 votes. Right. Wow. And mind you, we don't have 60,000 people in Rhinelander, so there's a lot of no. Rhinelander pride and Hodag pride that's spread across the, oh, the globe. Jeez. You know? That's pretty incredible. So Rhinelander was a very lumberjack-centric town back in the day. Now, I, I, I say this being a Rhinelander guy, former Hodag, and I grew up in a lumberjack family. So I, I have connections now to the Hodag lore, right? So <clears throat> Gene Shepard, 
is one of those guys that we, they called him a timber cruiser. So that's when they would they'd cut down all the timber and they'd float it along the rivers and whatnot. That's the same name of the guy who wrote and narrated a Christmas story. Gene Shepard? Yeah. Same name. Not hmm. the same person, of course, but Obviously. interesting aside. But yeah, for those who've heard the name Gene Shepard, that may be where it's from. But this is your Gene Shepard in Rhineland. This is our Gene Shepard. Okay. Not to be, you know, not to... So we don't want to confuse the two, because our Gene Shepard was uh, young in the late 1800s. So he's a timber cruiser, land surveyor, some say a resort owner. and But he was one of these guys that was... a. Uh, he was always looking for the next angle. And this is why it connects so well with what we talk about, which is like destinations and fun things to do. Gene Shepard really spun the, the story of the Hodag into something that turned into a destination for uh, it's a it was we'd have people stopping on trains, coming to the to the Oneida County Fair, paying money. It was a destination stop to see the Hodag. Now. Is the hoed egg real? That's up for debate. Now, so the one that he caught and he put out and, you know, he dressed up to, to make it seem like it was this this big thing. And this was that the mid-1890s when he did that, right? Right. Yeah. And so the, the story goes way back um, another 30 years prior to that where, you know, the, the logging community, because um, northern Wisconsin, very it's very focused on the logging industry. So what was always said, you know, like um, the, it was Native American stories had started it. And then there's some that think that it was that it was taken from that and really expanded out by folks that owned bars and restaurants and the logging communities to scare the loggers from when they got their paychecks to come back into those communities and, and spend, you know. So that <laughs> okay. that's that's always another one of those lures, you know, that's that's part Jeez. of it. But um but it didn't really come to life until about 1893 when um, Gene Shepard said that he had killed a hodag, And then a few years later went out and, quote unquote, captured a live hodag, And that's when the whole tourism thing started. But the hodag, it's green. OK. Mm -hmm. And now if you look at it, you have a lot of different um, descriptions of what a hodag actually looks like. The hodag that we've come to know and love is this long, stocky, green beast with short, little, powerful legs. But um, it, they have these massive claws that are, that are attached to it, which matches perfectly with the two horns coming out of its head. Okay? And then they got these two fangs that come out of the mouth. Some, some have said that it has the face of a frog or a toad. It does not. It has a mere, uh, just a fierce face. And I've also read it has the face of an elephant. I don't know. Those, those, well, totally those two don't match. Those two don't match. See, I, I got it. It was the head of a frog and the face of a smiling elephant is the description I have hmm. understood. But no trunk. But no trunk. No. So. That's why I don't... I, to I, me, it sounds like a dragon. It did. That's it, what it is. Similar, it's similar. It's a yeah. Yeah, creature it, yeah. that looks like a dragon. Now, it's got the, the spikes that go all the way down its back and then its long tail and then mm -hmm. it's got the, the big spike at the end of the tail. Does it have wings? Can it fly? No. The no, best visual representation it, really is the statue that they built in front of mm -hmm. the visitor center in Rhinelander, which is right off of what Kemp mm -hmm. Business USA. Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of the classic, I think. That's the hodeg that we've all consummate come to know picture. About. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um, it used to it, it's been known to breathe fire, so it's like the dragon type mm -hmm. of thing. Um, I always wondered how they blow up, blow out candles. Well, see, that's that's the problem. But 
Um, you've never seen a white bulldog in Rhinelander before. You want to know why? Because the hodag on Sundays only eats white bulldogs. Why on Sunday? Couldn't tell you. Well, it's like the mm-hmm. Friday fish fry. Lord. The Sunday That's white what? bulldog. Oh, so they're like yeah. fasting until Sunday comes around. Mm-hmm. That's their Sunday meal. Yeah. So this is one that it was, you know, I mean, like everybody knows what the Hodeg is, um, understands it. You know, it's but you have Hodeg Country Fest, which is a fantastic country fest. In my personal opinion, obviously I'm biased. It's the greatest musical festival in the state of Wisconsin. I'll go on record that's, and say that's that. a heady charge. But I'll back yeah. that up. All country music. Yeah. I'll back it up. Yeah, it's country yeah. music. Yeah, it's all country. Yeah, and and Ramsey. Um, I mean, we enjoy it because you can go that you bring your own beer to your seats, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you can put your own beer under your seats. Like, wow, and then they have the nice. chair line. They go. I'm going to go off on a tangent on Hoda that country puts it up a notch. But, yeah, but it, the. You know, the thing is, like, we're talking about all these different things, and, like, Pepin may may love Pepe, and Lake Winnebago may fall in love with their monster and all this kind of stuff. When you guys hear Hodeg, you think of the green mythical creature. When I hear mm-hmm. Hodeg, I think of the people in Rhineland, and it's filled with pride, and we put it on um, everything. We put it on the names of stores. We put it on road signs. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything, when you think of Hodeg, it's it's the pride of Rhinelander coming out. It's a symbol of the community. So as we're talking about mythical creatures, this one may be mythical, Anna. But to me, it's real. It's a sense of home. It's a sense of home. Okay, I have a follow-up question. <laughs> when you were growing up, do you, two questions. Do you remember the first time you ever learned about the hoed egg? And, and like not just seeing it on a sign, not just seeing it as, you know, the image or as a mascot, but learning about the hoed eggs, this story you just told us. And two, um, is this like a known thing that everybody grows up hearing this, the backstory of? And it, do, you, do you grow up hearing it from your parents in school? Where is it taught? So I learned about it at Newbold Elementary School. Newbold no longer exists. Okay, that's where I went to elementary school. And I played on little hoed eggs. That's a little basketball. The game. little hoed eggs. Yeah, the little <laughs> hoed eggs. <laughs> and, you know, so it's like it, you see it everywhere. And so to us growing up, it's like the hoed egg is just the hoed egg. You don't know that you're, you're one of one, you know. Like everybody has the, every, you know, there's a ton of blue jays. No offense, Ramsey. There's a ton yep. of cardinals. There's, you know, there's a ton of tigers and all that kind of stuff. But there's only one hoed egg. And we mm-hmm. don't know that until you get a little bit older. So it's just kind of, you know, like as you grow up and you learn about it, it's just part of life there. And then once you realize how special it is, that's where your pride comes in. Well, how cool is it that that this mythical or perhaps real creature has united an entire town? I think that's so cool. I, it's it's what I love about that's it. That's so cool. Right. I would go further and say it. and story. It united a state because there was over 60,000 votes to get that yeah, as the crazy. mascot. It's said that that the Hodeg was created as the resurrection of the oxen that have um, that passed mm. in the lumberjack communities. You know, so the lumberjack industry used to use a ton of ox. And so then when the ox passed away, they would cremate the ox and then it would come it would come together as a Hodeg. Like- and Pet cemetery type thing. Right. And uh, Whoa. And another thing, like, as you read some of the, I mean, there's a ton of different um, stories about the hodag, and then in some of them they say what they, what they eat. You know, the white bulldog is always famous for what they eat. 
with another one is that, that it eats ox. I don't know if I can get into that because how can a a creature that came from you know a resurrection of ox eat ox? Mm. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I didn't know we'd be discussing that in this podcast. I didn't think that's so either. Interesting. But, well, yeah. we already talked about cannibalism. Yep. Looks like the Wendigo and the the um, Hodeg are not going to be friends with each other. All part of Wisconsin animal lore. I think it's a good time to tie a nice little bow around all of these. Mm-hmm. A real bow, not yes. a mythical bow. Not a mythical oh. bow. Land, sea, and sky. Wisconsin's full of real and imagined creatures. So, Ramsey, thanks so much for all of your input on this today. Yeah, I, I enjoy all this stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah, I knew. I knew with your Northwoods location, you'd have a ton of great stuff on this. All right, guys, I'm going to go for a hike out in the woods. Okay, don't get caught by Plesiosaurus. See you later. Hunt a Winnebago. Well, the cabin, the cabin is brought to you in part by Jefferson County, which is located in the Madwaki Corridor. Have you heard this term before? Madwaki? Yeah, I have, yeah. I have not. And I'm, I live in the Milwaukee-Madison Corridor. Uh, so Jefferson County is right between Milwaukee and Madison along I-94. And now what they're calling the Mad Walkie Corridor. I like it. Is that it. a new term? Apparently. Because so. I did an episode on Jefferson County and I would have loved to have used that. Mm-hmm. Well, That's fun. Can always reshoot. Maybe they'll get another episode All right, going. We're going to redo something. the episode. <laughs> Jefferson County does have over 130 miles of paddle trails on eight different rivers and streams. Rock River, Crawfish River. There's a lot of great waterways in Jefferson County. Great opportunities for paddlers of all levels. So once the ice goes away, hop in. It's pretty cool. Uh, there's a lot of great restaurants and pubs along the way, too. You, you were shooting there, too, right, Blaze? Oh, yeah. I've been there plenty of times. <laughs> Probably too many. I kayaked in the like Rock River. Yeah. yeah, also they have the Goat Island. That's right. Oh, and you Goat can Island. camp there Goat for Island's free cool. in the summer. They encourage it. You can feed <laughs> them, and there's like a little thing you can get. Uh, goat feed on the island too it's fun oh yeah with the little machines mm-hmm. like they I climb the trees don't bring film it. equipment out there we they will eat your film equipment are you serious they do they eat like them they'll eat the microphones they're very invasive creatures they <laughs> have no personal space so actually you know it's funny you can see in jefferson county there's a gas station uh at the exit 275 the sullivan exonia exit off i-94 mm-hmm. Uh, the mobile station that's also has oh. a thing called the Concord General Store. Yeah, mm. and there's a little mini zoo behind it really? in the woods. Yeah, it's so cool. I'm not gonna lie, Jefferson County is awesome. <laughs> well, the thing is, there's goats there too. You can really? see goats oh, and awesome. turkeys and um, just a variety of animals depending on the time of year and everything like that. Wow, that's phenomenal. Anytime that Cindy O, uh, every, we're driving by, I guarantee we're gonna hear it tonight. Uh, we drive by that mobile station. She goes, you know, that mobile station has really good cheese curds, and they have a z- petting zoo mm-hmm. behind it like, every time without fail. And I just, just kind of mouth it. Do you guys it go to saying, it? I- I've never gone to it. No, You've never I, gone I, to it, and she talks about it every time Every time. Every it. time. Josh, I feel like this is a place that she's saying this, hoping you'll stop, and you never do. Well, maybe we'll do it tonight. Yeah, there you go. On your almost 9 o'clock game. <laughs> So, yeah, it's you never know what you're going to stumble across in Jefferson County for various things. A lot of uh, bicycle manufacturing goes on there because it's the home of Trek Bikes mm-hmm. in Waterloo, which is kind of on the Jefferson uh, Dodge County line. Uh, but there are 60 miles of paved and gravel bike paths. More than that, actually, the glacial drumlin alone. 
a huge path across the yeah. state east to west. Uh, you can do a scenic tour of rural landscapes, make seamless connections to communities and businesses. Uh, and then in the wintertime, too, over 225 miles of snowmobile trails, 14 miles of groomed cross-country ski trails. There's ice fishing tournaments. The Knickerbocker Ice Festival is always a famous one that's fun to do. Uh, and then when that ice melts, the fishing and boating opportunities, 13,000 acres of lakes, something along those lines. Kashkanong's a sizable chunk of that. And uh, one of the biggest and most celebrated dog parks in the state. Yeah, that's huge. Is a must say. That's right by Jefferson. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And even in the dead of winter, there's a ton of people with their dogs out. Well, it's yeah, a beautiful dogs, dog dogs love the snow and the cold. And... Yeah, I, usually people just don't as much, but they are willing to go to that dog park. <laughs> we went off one point in one of these episodes where we both talked about the love affair that we have for Lake Mills. Uh -huh. Oh, how, yeah. How nice of a little oh, community it is. Well, then, so uh, we went to the Knickerbocker Ice Festival, and it might have been one of my favorite things that we've ever done. I mean, they like crowned one of the community members. It's hilarious. It's, nice. I mean, it's just a wonderful place. You walk there during Knickerbocker Ice Festival, and everyone knows everybody, and there's <laughs> tons of people. Yeah. It's a big thing. I mean, Lake Mills is a really nice town, and about 6,000 people or so. Tyranina, we talked about the uh, Rock Lake Monster. Yep. The ancient mm -hmm. name for Rock Lake was Tyranina, yep. and Tyranina Brewing is right there, Sunshine Brewing, mm. Lewis Station Winery. There's Dog and Shrub Distillery. So yeah. you got that whole complement of that in Lake Mills, along with the town square that's really the town triangle. Mm -hmm. Right. And then Jefferson's got a nice little downtown. Jefferson's redeveloped their downtown really, nice. really well. I mean, I've been very impressed. Right. And uh, they have the smallest burger stand in the country in the form of Waddles when they pull that out in the summer. I know you're drooling again, Josh. <laughs> Uh-oh. And But they have Stable Rock Winery, which just opened not that long ago, right by the river. And yeah, that's a fun one. They've got live music and yeah. patio seating, and it is, it's a gorgeous location. They've got big windows. You can overlook the riverfront. And, yeah, beautiful pedestrian there? bridge. Yeah, we and... filmed the owner there. He was great. Mm -hmm. oh, the owner is awesome. It's got like a German flair, and they've got washboards and everything. Blaze and I ate there once what, or twice, and say? it was washboard. Wash... A lot <laughs> of washboard? No. Well, like washed. <laughs> the meat. Oh, verse. Worst. Oh, like... <laughs> I don't know how to say it. So a sausage board. board. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. With cheese and... <laughs> we were thinking washboard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Get your worst bird out. No, it's laundry. It's like sausages and cheese and yeah, it's really, yeah. really good. Like charcuterie. Huh. Yeah. So yeah, you got that in Lake Mills. You have that in Jefferson, just down the road in Fort Atkinson, the world famous Fireside Theater. So much to see and do. Mm -hmm. Check out more uh, Jefferson County when you can. Check out our episode. Yeah, on uh, discoverwisconsin.com or the Discover Wisconsin YouTube page. Kevin is also brought to you by Best Western Hotels with over 40 locations throughout the state of Wisconsin, but we'll focus on a few in the southeastern part of the state, basically going east of Jefferson County. And we're looking at the Best Western Waukesha Grand in Pewaukee, which is right by I-94. You can see it from there. Very convenient location for all the great stuff in Waukesha and the Lake Country. Waukesha County Expo Center, which has a ton of stuff going on there. And easy access to Pewaukee Lake, Willow Runs Golf Course, State Fairgrounds, GE Healthcare. So much great stuff. Siemens, Waukesha County Technical College, and more. Uh, Best Western Germantown Inn. That's a fairly new one. That's right by the huge uh, Harley-Davidson uh, plant. Uh, great access to everything in the northwest suburban part of Milwaukee. Great access to Holy Hill uh, and Kendall Moraine. Going a little further southeast, the Best Western Executive Inn in Kenosha. 
They got a nice onside bar in there. Actually, I've stayed there. It's a pretty cool place. You can tour the Jelly Belly Factory, the Dinosaur Discovery Museum downtown, ride the trolley, the Kenosha Electric Railway down there, Pleasant Prairie Premium Outlets, huge shopping. There's a lot going on there. It's even close to the Brat Stop, which is always a nice place to stop and enjoy. Dinosaur Discovery. Oh, it's pretty cool. That's just right downtown. Uh, And then in Milwaukee, there's a couple, including the Best Western plus Milwaukee West, which is technically in West Milwaukee, but it is a walk to American Family Field and all the fun stuff there. Uh, It's a drive to the Miller Brewery, but if you want to take a brewery tour, you have that and a ton of craft breweries in that area, including a bunch in burgeoning West Dallas, which is literally just down the street on National Avenue, uh, and good access to the zoo and uh, state fairgrounds. And the Best Western Plus Milwaukee Airport Hotel and Conference Center. Convenient if you're flying in and out of MKE. They've got airport shuttles, convention space, great indoor pool and a hot tub, and uh, convenient access to downtown and basically anywhere in the world because it's right by the airport. You'll have to check out the Aviator Bar and Grill, too. I've done a couple of New Year's parties there, and they were all a lot of fun. So find out more and check out all the Best Western hotels across the state at bestwesternwisconsin.com. This has gone on a while, so we're skipping the review of the week because we haven't had a new review in a few weeks. So make sure if you're listening, we want your honest feedback. Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review, and we love five stars. But if you want to give us fewer and tell us why, fine. Keyword honest. There you go. And make sure you join us next week. It's going to be Valentine's Day, and we're going to be talking up Wisconsin romance, all kinds of variations on that. So we will catch you then. And as we wrap it up here, a quick message from the All of Us Research Program, because the All of Us Research Program has a simple mission. They want to speed up medical breakthroughs. To do this, they're asking people across America to share their unique health information to create the largest, most diverse medical research program ever. The mission is an important one, because the more information researchers have, the faster they can create individualized prevention, precise treatment options, and better care for all of us. Together, let's make this mission achievable. Details at joinallofus.org slash discoverwi. And today's episode of The Cabin was hosted by Eric Paulson, me, Anna Elise Beckman, and Josh Osterman with guest host Ramsey Plouts, produced by Eric Paulson with audio engineering by Blaze Davis, video teasers by Logan Ingram, and social media by Adeline Savanak. The Cabin is a production brought to you by Discover MediaWorks. To learn more, head to discovermediaworks.com and don't forget to leave a review.